You know, I've broken down the recruiting model um, kind of ad nauseum on this show. But today, I really want to break down some of the good, and I guess it comes with the territory, some of the bad, of how recruiters make money. Most of you guys have a general idea. Some of you, I have a better idea than others. But for the purposes of this episode, I truly want to break down how recruiters make money. Not to point out anything good or bad, just so that you know. It's part of that whole process of how you guys learn more about the entire cycle of how you're recruited, how you get to work, how everything works. And it will help you guys understand a little bit more, for those of you that don't, truly a recruiter's role in this process. How Recruiters Make Money on today's edition of Travel Evolved. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Travel Evolved. I'm Mark Holloway, CEO of NextGen MedStaff. Most of you guys know what this gesture means by now. Um, listen, there are there are a lot of episodes that I enjoy, and there are some that I kind of I enjoy them, but they're difficult because, like I've said before, we don't use visual aids and this stuff. So I'm dealing with numbers and things like that. While I get excited about the episode, oftentimes those episodes are really hard to communicate and. I don't know if I've ever done a you know numbers episode. I'm talking about margins, hours 36 to 40, how overtime should be calculated, all those things where I'm dealing with things that are you know kind of almost simple arithmetic, but you know a, a pencil and a paper really make it easy. And I know that when I'm saying those things out loud, it's hard to follow. From good friends of mine that work with me or people I know pretty well, they said, "Yeah, you lost me a few times." And it's probably because I'm saying things wrong. I mean, that's just the way it is when you're when you're doing something unscripted and live, and I don't make you know take second takes. Um, but those are tough, and it's really really hard sometimes to communicate that stuff, even though I get excited about them. Episodes like this one, a little different because again, I mean, I've, as you guys know, I've got a script and and bullet points so that I don't get sidetracked because I do clearly. Uh, keeps me on on task, but most of these things, I mean, really, it's one page, and these episodes go 40 minutes to over an hour sometimes. This is one of those. Um, this was brought in a long time ago. This is part of the original lineup of what we we're going to do and how we were going to and when we were going to do it. It really does feel like we've done a lot of not recruiter bashing. Yeah, I guess episodes on recruiting and episodes on agencies lately. But we think it's time. This this kind of came in that time frame where now that you know a lot about the numbers and the margin and how companies make money, we thought it was time for you to understand how recruiters make money. I want to I want to do a little bit of preempting on this episode. Yeah. Yes, we have a recruiter's model at my company. Part of this episode transparently is because I want to point out the fallacy of why 
travel healthcare is still one of the very few remaining industries that still rely upon a human recruiter solely. Let's be honest, that's what this industry is. Now, more and more as time has gone by, you guys are telling me, I, I do my own recruiting, really. I'm going to websites where we can compare the same job with multiple companies. You know, I'm finding things on Facebook from other companies that I've never worked with, and I'm telling my one or two or three companies about them so they can find it. There's a lot of times when I, the traveler, am really doing my own recruiting, and it frustrates me because I understand that I am one of many, many people that that one recruiter is working for or working with even if you're working with two or three. And that's really, I guess, part of what we want to talk about. When, when we created this company and we created this, this series and this podcast and YouTube channel, I said, what's so great about what we're doing is that I always tried, in, in, even in, pre, in previous lives, I tried to be very open and upfront. But it was hard because I was kind of in the same model, so I wanted to tell everybody everything, and I think I did pretty well. But what's so wonderful about Next Gen MedStaff and Travel Evolved is that I feel, and I've always felt this way, and I've said this many times, the more educated and the more knowledgeable any traveler is, the more that they understand about hospitals, the more they truly understand you know, how to do their job and, and recruit or look for positions themselves, and certainly the more they understand the way agencies kind of act as a middleman and make money and cut out margins and how bill rates and all that fun stuff works, the better traveler going to be, and yes, here it is, drum roll, the better companies like mine are going to look. I said that in the first couple of episodes. I said, if travelers were more educated, the crappier and, and greediest companies will fall by the wayside. Not qualified in that said, you're not going to get rid of the big, big guys yet because they, they hold all the cards on a lot of the, you know, the, the big systems. But that you know, lifestyle company that's got a thousand travelers that has a big margin and they just, you know, it's a machine where they're just annihilating your voicemail, annihilating your, your text. Those are the companies that have to be careful because it doesn't make sense anymore. And I said, if you, if they're paying less than everybody else, you guys will decide, why am I going to take that job with them? And eventually, again, it doesn't matter if they're a recruiter or recruiterless or what model they follow, you know, if they're web driven, it doesn't matter. But you guys, the more knowledgeable you are, the more you are able, let's be, let's put it the right way, the more you're able to work with companies that have some other options that somehow, whatever it is, like ours or anybody else's kind of thing they're doing, if it pays you more, you have the ability to take those. Does that make sense? In other words, if you don't have the knowledge, you're kind of stuck with having to deal with a recruiter and trusting him or her and, and an agency to be upfront with you. And that's what we said. If Travel Evolve could help, it will, yeah, it's going to help our company if we're doing things right, only if we're doing things right. It's going to help other companies that are doing things right, and it's going to hurt the companies that are carving out too big a margin or have grown so big that they've started relying upon certain expenses and certain vice presidents or that number of VPs walking around that it makes no sense to the, to the smart, educated traveler. And that they're either going to have to change, I've said that, and adapt a thinner margin somehow, or they're going to, they're going to go by the wayside. That's the fact. You guys can make a difference. And I'm, you know, again, I'm not asking you guys to make a difference in the industry. What I'm asking you to do is make a difference with yourself. You know, pick the companies that pay the most. Unless there's something glaringly, you know, they don't have the job or they don't have something else right, fine. But that's what this was about. So the first thing I really want to talk about on how recruiters make money is I want to talk about some good things because I think it's important that I qualify this. Um, that thing it sounds like a... You guys ever been to a hockey game where, the, you know, like a, not a pro game, but usually a... Peewee, squirt, midget, bantam kind of game where the you know mom is ringing the bell. That's what that sounds like. It's actually a candle that's over there that sounds like a cowbell. So I'm going to maybe fix that as we take uh, do different parts of this episode because that's going to drive me. And now that I pointed out, you guys nuts. The first thing I want to talk about, what recruiters do really, really well. And I think this is important to acknowledge. I do believe the opposite of what I just said. If you are a brand new traveler, if you don't want to take the time to educate yourself, or maybe you're at the very beginning process of your own personal learning curve with travel healthcare, I do believe that a recruiter, and hear me say this, is more helpful than not dealing with one. I think that's true. I think you have no choice if you're not going to continue to really push and educate yourself with things like what we're doing here, other travelers, um, anybody that's out there advocating for you guys that's trying to help learn, and of course, you know, just word of mouth. If you're not a sponge, then I think 
you're going to do better if you have a recruiter model. That may surprise some of you, but it's because you won't understand things that are your benefit. And I've seen that. And here's the example I'll point out. I saw on Facebook a group. There was a travel, I think it was a nursing group. And I don't know what it was, but here it is. Okay, so again, let me qualify this. Put the timestamp on it. This was March of 2023. And it was a psych position. And a person was really upset. It was positioned in the state of Washington. They had a Washington license. And you guys know not everybody can go to Washington. So I'm just, I'm off track, but I want to kind of explain this. This position had a gross of almost $3,000 a week on a 30, I, I guess, it, let's, I don't know if it's 36 or 40, let me qualify. But it was, you know, a, a 3,000, 29 and, and change, which maybe I'm wrong, but I'm not seeing those rates, or I, had, I didn't see those rates in March for psych at almost $3,000 a week anywhere. And I know why it was paying that, because it's, it's Washington, and it's a tough license to get. It takes a long time, not that it's tough. And not everybody can go, and if you have a Washington license, Oftentimes, if you're working in that state, it oftentimes, I've said before, it doesn't really make sense to take a travel assignment there because their staff, you know, RNs in this case, do pretty, pretty well. So I saw this psych RN went on Facebook and said, I was offered less than $20 an hour and I'm insulted and, you know, this agency can go kick rocks. And she threw out the whole package. I'm looking at it going, this is a $3,000 a week gross position. They have maximized, I could tell, and I've, and I've looked the GSA up because I want to make sure they were doing it right. They maximized the meals and incidentals. They maximized the housing. And a lot of it was tax-free. But, you know, they were able to do that. The traveler didn't have to take it that way. They, you know, he, she, in this case, could have done anything she wanted. But she was so fixated on the hourly taxable, and she was insulted by how low that was, that she didn't even look at what the total compensation was because she didn't know. She didn't understand. And a bunch of travelers were trying to explain it to her. And, and, and I read the threads. And she just didn't get it. All she cared about was that I'm only making 20 an hour. And, you know, okay, housing may be different because I think it was in the Seattle area. And that, you know, let's be frank, I don't remember off, I want to say it was a really high stipend because it's whatever Seattle is. And the, the truth is she probably would have spent almost all that, even if, you know, maybe she would have found something that was a little bit less. But the meals and incidentals is also high there. And that is part of her hourly compensation. And she just wasn't getting it. So my point being, in a case like that, this gal needs a recruiter. She needs a recruiter to break that down for her. She's not, she didn't have the knowledge or the history and hadn't gone through the learning curve to truly be able to truly understand what she was making. But I felt bad for her. And everyone was kind of saying, you know, hey, what are you, are you crazy? I'll take it. Because none of the people that were on that page, I don't know if it was a Washington page or a psych page, I'll just tell you that, a group, I'm sorry. Nobody in that, in that group had seen anything close to that in a long time. Matter of fact, the biggest thing was there's no psych jobs in the country right now. And holy cow, why didn't you take that? And she'd already passed on it, and her agency had already, I guess, told the vendor, you know, the, the hospital, or whatever, she was going to take it. But it was kind of, it was interesting. I felt bad for her. It wasn't funny because I felt bad because she literally had passed up on an assignment that anybody in the country would have wanted, but she didn't get it. And in reading that thread, she still didn't get it. And she was starting to turn on them saying, no, but I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not taking this job for only 20 bucks an hour. And, and they couldn't get it across. In that case, what I'm saying is that a new traveler, much like what I was explaining to you guys, how difficult it is to explain things in a thread or on a podcast, they're just not going to understand it. If she had a recruiter, the recruiter would say, hey, listen, we can bump up that taxable. Most companies will lower the tax-free because they're going to pay higher payroll taxes on it, but not by a lot, by a couple of cents, maybe a few dollars if she wants it increased enough that it's going to be a higher tax rate for that agency to pay her. But it's usually not going to change by more than 1% or 2%. So, I mean, there's some things that they can do and they could have done. And if she had a recruiter, I think she would have, you know, understood. Now, I think she did have a recruiter, which is what's so weird about the story, because most companies still do. And that recruiter obviously didn't have any luck in explaining it to her either. But my point being, I still think this industry is um, green enough. And I don't think it's you guys, but you tell me if I'm wrong. It seems to me, and maybe it's because there's a lot of new travelers, I can tell either travelers get it right away, and I love you guys that do, because it makes my job so much easier when we're talking about the things that good companies do. With you know, I'm talking specifically about hours 36 to 40, how everything's work, you know, how it's not, you know, don't shoot the messenger. Here's what we are, and you know, transparent communication. I can tell when someone gets it, 
And I can tell when someone's like, I don't understand, and, the, and their first reaction is always to have their guard up. It's almost instant, and I'm almost like, ah, this person may not be the right fit for our company. And it may not be the right fit for a lot of companies that are trying new things to pay travelers more. Until they get through that learning curve, I really do. I think there is definitely a, a percentage of travelers that are not our clients and are not the clients um, that do that. But I hope that some of you are in this, you know, subscribing to this podcast, subscribing to this YouTube channel, because you're going to get through that. And the cool thing about it is, and again, whether it's what I'm doing and, and other people similar or anything like that, if you're going out and you're recruiting yourself, you're looking at, let's just say you're looking at Facebook and you're comparing jobs and you're looking, if you have the knowledge to truly see what is a great pay and what is not a great pay for the same position, you guys know you're going to go through the roof and you're going to make a lot more money. You're going to make better decisions on who you're going to work through. Because like I've said many, many times, that's all we really do is we're just there to pay you and float you know, money so the hospital pays us. That's, that's kind of what it is. So... I wanted to get that out there. I think that to qualify this episode, there's a lot of recruiters that really do make money. We're going to talk about how they do that, but it's it's not always a bad thing. And I actually think in some cases, like that example I mentioned, it's a good thing. The other the other group of people I'm also going to lump into there is that group of travelers who know more than they think they do, but and we see it, <laughs> I see it all the time. I just want to, I, I like dealing with, I like talking to a recruiter. They have their blinders on. They're so set in this that they're unwilling to look at anything that might make them more money. Eventually they will, but they're going to be so behind the curve. You guys are all going to be making a lot of money on all these different ways that you're making it. And again, I'm just talking about kind of recruiting yourself. If you're going out and finding jobs or you're comparing jobs on a, on a website or a, or a company that does that for you, all that these people aren't doing. They're just, you know, letting a recruiter call them and, and whenever they're going to call them and, you know, who knows how old that job is by the time they get to them, that sort of thing. They're doing it the really slow, antiquated and inefficient and, you know, somewhat ineffective way of, of getting it. While you guys are getting stuff instantly every five minutes as things upload with, with perfect information and whether it's 10 o'clock at night on a Sunday, a holiday or, you know, you're not waiting for that, that agency to open up. All right. So let's just talk in general. The first thing that recruiters do to make money is they get you to sign on the line that is dotted. In other words, the first thing they're doing, and please, please get this, they are trying to convince you maybe easily, maybe not that easily, I don't know, that they are the company in which you should take this position through. That that recruiter and that company should represent you going forward. They're going to get on their horse and they're going to you know, work and look in their database and check the jobs and, and have you top of their pile. No one's going to be on top of you because you're the first person I'm looking for. And they're going to have, they've got software and maybe an assistance and everyone's out to help you make sure that you're, they're not going to miss anything. All those things are in place, by the way, because there's a human element and they miss things, right? And they discriminate based upon who's going to make them the most money. I'm just, I'm just being honest. There isn't a recruiter out there that has, you know, a candidate, let's just say, we'll go up to nursing, that only has a license in one or two states that's not available for six weeks that's going to be busting their you-know-what to get you in front of positions when there's somebody who's compact state licensed, who maybe has a, a broader specialty, willing to go more places, that's available in two weeks. You guys know you're on the back burner whether you like it or not. So... You know, if you're using one of these other things like an app, and there's no discrimination. Everybody gets the job at the exact same time. That's why it's going into this trend. But that's what they're doing. The first thing they're doing is is they make money when you sign on to work at that job with their agency. Period. There's no arguing that. They lose money or they watch money walk away if you either take that job through another company that may or may not be paying more than they are. Or you take a different job that wasn't even presented you know, that they don't have, or that they didn't, you know, have to, you know, get you in front of fast enough. Whatever it is, if if you don't sign with them, the company loses a lot of money, and they lose whatever their percentage is of that of that, you know, that amount that they're going to gross over the course of you know, potentially 13 weeks. That's the biggest thing. And for many great recruiters, great salespeople, great people, very organized. That is oftentimes the biggest chunk of how they make money. If they're good, by the way, I'll tell you guys this. If they're good, they're making money on commission, which I kind of like. Because that means that they're they're good salesperson or they're generating rent for the company or they, they are, in fact, 
so organized and so efficient that they actually have a lot of you know balls up in the air and they can they can multitask with people. There are good recruiters that do that. If if their percentage of their income, if the majority of it comes or an overwhelming majority of it comes from commission, that makes me smile more than those recruiters that have a big salary in a high cost living place and are only making you know half of what they're making salary commission wise. Because that means they're hurting the company. They're not very good. And unfortunately, that's what a lot of the industry is full of. Like I've always said, you've got your high performers that are, are very good at their job. I'm not knocking recruiters for their work ethic or what they do. They're not shady, I don't think, for the most part. I think most recruiters are, are pretty you know, up and up. They're just not that knowledgeable sometimes or they're not allowed to know the knowledge. Or they're green. You know, The longer recruiters have been there, the more successful he or she is. The more trustworthy I think they are because they, they've got a lot of people working for them. They have to have a good reputation. That stuff is all good. And I think there's some really excellent recruiters out there that have earned that right to, to be that great. I'm just saying that it, the industry is just a dinosaur. Like I've always said, it just it's unfortunately for those wonderful men and women and, and guys and gals out there, it, their time is coming because it's, it's, like I said, one of the last industries that uses that human element. And it's, it's unfortunate because there's going to be a lot of people that have made a ton of money in this industry that unfortunately... Um, as their agencies start to see their pay rates start to pale in comparison with other people, they're not going to have a lot of choice. They're going to have to start letting people go. And, and absolutely, they're going to let the, the lowest people on the totem pole go first. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey... Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I hope that that great recruiters and great people in the industry figure this out fast and figure out a way, if they like this industry, to stay in there and switch to maybe the, the account management side. I don't know, but it's, it's unfortunate. It's not cool. I don't like it. I'm just the bearer of bad news and I don't you know, enjoy what I'm saying. It's just the facts. If I'm not doing it, there are 20 other companies and guys and gals out there that, that are. And trust me, they all are looking at how to do this. They just got to figure out how to transition their company. And they will. I have no doubt. So recruiters are sales, salespeople. That is, like I said, that's not really a negative thing to say. That is not, I mean, I don't know how in this country being a salesperson became negative. If, if you're a salesperson the best salespeople are honest and transparent and tell you the truth, whether it's going to help, whether you're going to close the deal or not. I just, and I think there's a lot of recruiters out there that are good at that. Again, I'm not here to say that they're, they're not, I, I don't think the majority of recruiters are out there to, to fool you or trick you. I think there's some. I mean, I think any recruiter who's sitting right across the table from me would agree. We've all ran into those people. There are people that will do whatever it takes to get the deal done, whether they need to you know, make more money or they're worried about getting fired or they just don't have that kind of ethic. But in any sales, I don't care if you're, you're a realtor or you're selling you know, dental equipment or you're a recruiter or you're selling you know, anything, I just believe in 2023, the whole you know, salesman thing that was from the 70s and maybe the 80s, no one does that anymore for the most part. I don't think it's successful. You can't be run a successful desk by fooling people for an extended period of time. But so what I'm getting at is I don't think using the term salesman or salesperson is negative. It's not. I don't I mean that kind of became a thing and it's I just don't think it's a thing anymore. It's the truth. They are there to sell you the jobs they have and they are doing everything they can to try to convince you not to look anywhere or take something else. That's the truth. And I, I know people don't like hearing me say that, but it is the truth. If you're a recruiter, tell me I'm wrong. I, I again I've trained hundreds, that's a plural. Of recruiters in my lifetime and it is what it is you know you don't train recruiters the big people at the company are probably more ruthless than the recruiters are they're trying to convince the recruiter to do things like you know don't do this don't do that don't do that and and recruiters i don't think do that i think they are more honest because they're looking for someone to say i may miss them this time but in, you know in 13 weeks i hope they're mine and that's what a good recruiter does do 
So being a salesperson is that. They're looking at, you know, if I'm not, if I'm not going to get this person now, I'm not going to blow up for the long time because I want them to come back with me because it's important. And I think if they treat you guys with professionalism and honesty, I think you oftentimes do if you can, if you can tell the difference. But do know that the people that are above them sometimes are oftentimes not necessarily asking them to do that. It has to do with the company. The company wants to make money. It just depends upon how that company's run. If they're if they if they're open, which again I don't see a lot of that. So let's let's protect the recruiter a little bit in today's episode and say whether it's just above or who knows all the way to the top. It is designed to make money, and I've always said this. All companies are. My company is designed to make money. I don't know if there's a lot of not-for-profit travel agencies out there. Um, I've never heard of one. So we, we all want to make money. It's just how much or how little do we want to make and how do we want to position our company for growth. And for a lot of people, it's let's make a lot of money on every single person and let's do it that way. Some people are, are more, let's try to cut our margins, be the top paying, and let's try to grow by reputation and, and let's maybe cut that, be in the happy medium so we have the best of both worlds. Okay, the next thing really, this is kind of an important thing. It's a simple, or I'll just throw it out there. So recruiters make money because they have a salary most of the time. It's important that you guys know that because it's important to understand how agencies and, and CEOs and CFOs and directors of recruitment, everybody judges recruiters based upon you know their compensation. And when you have a salary, it does add some pressure to it. Now, I said most of the time. There's a lot of agencies, well, I shouldn't say there's a lot. Some agencies don't have any kind of a salary. They, they pay an incredible amount of commission. I haven't seen that in a long time, except for what became popular in 2016, 2015, 2014, maybe later and maybe still is, is that remote recruiter model where they had their hub in wherever their home office is of their recruiters that are on salary. And I'll tell you what you know goes along with salary. There's a lot more expectation, a lot more um, legitimate expectations and, and results have to be had. But there was a lot of companies that were playing around, and I tried it a little myself, with that remote recruiter concept where, hey, you can recruit. We'll give you our database. We'll give you all of our software. And we're not going to pay you a dime, but we're going to, you know, here's what kind of commission you'd make, which will, it, it should be, again, I'm just going by what it should be. That is, you can actually make more money once you get to a certain number of travelers than anybody who has a salary if that commission plan is done properly. In other words, you're incentivizing somebody to say, you know, hey, go for it. I mean, listen, when I was young, I had a lot of full commission sales jobs, especially in the advertising world. And I made a lot of money when I was really young. I made more money than anybody I knew because I was willing to say, hey, don't give me a salary, pay me more commission. Actually, I don't think I ever, I ever demanded that, but I had, I, I took jobs where that was the case. Because, again, we're talking, a long time ago, there was a lot of guys and gals graduating with with you know same kind of degrees and credentials I had, and I think they were tired of the revolving door. So a lot of companies said, if you bring in clients, I mean, I'm, talking, I'm thinking about one big agency that I worked for that I did really bring in some big clients. If you can bring in some big clients, here's where you're going to be, and here's what you'll here's the kind of money you'll make. And I was like, I think I'll do that. I mean, I, I just got out of college. I was used to living on you know. Miller Lite and, and ramen. I mean, I did, you know what I mean? I'm not joking. I mean, I really, I really did. I mean, it was in college. I, I you know, I never had two nickels to rub together. Um, so sometimes I wouldn't eat because I'd rather go, you know, grab a beer with my, my friends and stuff, which is crazy to think about, but I would. Um, so I was, I didn't, I wasn't used to anything. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. So maybe I was naive. I don't know, but the model worked for me. And I know that there's some agencies out here and still are that do have some very, incredibly lucrative, high compensation for people that are willing to to work remotely. I mean, if they're not doing it that way, then there's no incentive to have somebody work remotely unless they just don't want to move to wherever that agency is. And some agencies are in great locations. Many of them are. A lot of them are in not so great locations that some people don't want to go to. So there are recruiters that don't have a salary. Understand that. But unless they're crazy, I'm guessing, and I'm, you know, again, this is not 100% all the time. But most of them have a very lucrative compensation plan when they convince you to take said job with them and nobody else. It's just the way it is. And you know what? I mean, again, if I had to choose, 
I would like to have recruiters that are the second way because they are willing to put their money where their mouth is, so to speak, and they're basically willing to put, you know, in other words, pay me more, I will kick you know what for you. Great. I mean, that that already that I'm excited about that, you know, for that recruiter, and I'd be excited to hire that recruiter instantly. But let's get back to the real model. So just know that that's out there. If you're dealing with a recruiter that is working from their home, and, and again, some of the rules have changed since you know COVID and that sort of thing. So there's a little bit of muddy waters. But it used to be that pretty predominantly, if you were working with somebody that you know worked outside of the corporate headquarters, that was probably a plan that they're on. May still be the case today. Um, I was so surprised to, to realize that when people started working from their home during COVID, they were actually more productive. I know I, I was. I found myself working sometimes till midnight and getting up at six in the morning, doing a quick workout and being right back at, you know, whatever. I mean, sometimes I'd work, I'd, I'd work for an hour and a half and then go to the quickly to the gym, still do that sometimes. Saturday, Sundays. I mean, that's just the way it was. I mean, I was excited and still am about what we're doing, but I know other people that work with me do the same thing. So that's that was a surprise to me. So working from home is a productive thing, but that is not the norm. What you guys know, and you guys, you know, again, agency ABC, most people have a salary. Let's talk about that for a minute and what it really means and why you should know this. A, I want to tell you that the salary is oftentimes, you know, based or based upon or predicated on the cost of living in that town. So, for example, as a whole, again, don't. This is not nothing I say is across the board because I don't know across the board. I just don't. But if you're dealing with a recruiter who lives in who, who lives and works in San Diego, and you're dealing with another recruiter who lives in Omaha. You're dealing with another recruiter that lives in, you know, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Those are three probably very different salaries that those companies need to offer to attract that recruiter to be able to work with. You have to have a, I mean, you don't have to. The base salary in San Diego, I would absolutely be pretty convinced, is going to be higher than Omaha, Nebraska. And again, I can't compare that to Florida because Florida doesn't have a state tax. So who knows what, how that all plays out. But it's going to be probably three very different. I will tell you back, you know, in let's say between 2010 and 2019, 2018, 2019, the average salary in Denver where I, you know, with the company I had was $40,000, which isn't a lot of money, but for a recruiter and oftentimes no education, maybe right out of college or you know relatively young. That's kind of the model, and we had older people too. That was necessary to attract the talent. If I threw out and I did, trust me, we had it, it was at thirty-five early on, but as time went by, thirty-five with the cost of living in Denver, and it's I'm sure it's a lot worse now. Denver wasn't the number one growing city back then, but it was getting there. It was definitely popular. But the cost of living was getting higher, so it had we, we couldn't attract anybody at 35. We had, we had to throw out 40. So what that means for you guys is every agency, if they're worth their weight at all, understands, for example, what is $40,000? What kind of people does that recruiter, I mean, what kind of traveler, let's be frank, does that recruiter have to have working for them with how many hours is that traveler working in order for there to be a break-even point? Because we've got to throw in benefits right i mean most recruiters are offered you know benefits too do they take them i don't again i don't know if agencies are looking that deeply but they probably have a, a general i mean they should if they don't i don't know what they're doing there should be a break-even point for that agency based upon the salary based upon their benefit package they're offering based upon the uh their their margin obviously that's the other big thing how much the bigger the margin the less number of people that recruiter needs to have just like the bigger the salary, the more that person has, the smaller the margin, the more that person has to have. But every agency if has to know what's the break-even point. Now, what you guys may not know is that most agencies have a trial period where that recruiter has to hit that. Where I was bad is that I, you know, I just I I, I should have been more. You're out of here. You're out of here. And it's hard because it's you know people are people and you, you invest time with them. But good agencies will say. This is what you, we should expect to see from you in, let's say, probably, I would guess, 90 days. Some may have a 30-day, 60-day, but that recruiter is under pressure to deliver at least that break-even. And let's be frank, no one is going to keep a recruiter on that's just breaking even. And I would hope they wouldn't keep a recruiter on for too long unless there's extenuating circumstances past that point 
and I hope they communicated that with the career. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, where they're generating enough revenue to justify a seat on that recruiting team. Clearly, the higher you know that, that number goes above and beyond that, you know, of course, the more commission they're making. And, and again, we'll talk about commission plans here down the in, in a little bit. But do understand that that's why I tell you sometimes recruiters, if they're really new, if they're young or maybe haven't been with that company for a long time, you guys should know that there's a lot of pressure on them because they're they're worried about keeping their job or they're worried about losing or who knows. Again, every company's ran differently. But I want to tell you that because when I say sometimes that some recruiters might do something to try to talk you to a job you necessarily don't want. That could be the reason why, because they are worried. And I think you guys should know that. That's why I would tell you, I, I did. I think we we have an episode coming out talking about new recruiters. And I was going to tell you, I, I said some great things about good recruiters and, and how the longer they've been there, the more people they've worked for, the better they are. Well, the opposite's true. If they're brand new and they don't have anybody working for them, you, you kind of got to beware. Now, you're not going to probably get an honest answer from how your recruiter is. But if you found your recruiter by a referral, by a group, or someone recommended them, you know, the chances are better that they're going to be stronger. But be really careful with that aggressive, aggressive recruiter is trying to do everything they can to get you to send in your paperwork because they, they might just be doing anything they can to get that and earn that and keep that seat in that, in that recruiting company, the agency. Understand that every agency is different. The way they compensate is different. We'll talk about commission because that could, that could mean better, you know, better, better deals for the recruiter and the agency, worse deals for you. They may, they may be forced to do that in order to make the kind of margins they need to make in order to keep their seat. So they may be incentivized to kind of sock it to you and figure out how to keep more of that pie with the agency and then either thereby getting themselves more commission, but more likely maybe just, you know, having that margin and that revenue coming in so they could show that they're worth their seat. These are things you need to know. For the recruiter list, you know, it's obviously very different. I mean, they're more worried about making a living and being able to stay in that position. And that's why I say I do like that model because it does take pressure off them. They oftentimes may not do things except for the fact that they, you know, that I said, I was, let me finish my sentence. They may not do things unethically or try to convince you harder they may be more laid back i've seen a lot of travelers that were in healthcare that are recruiting that way kind of like that because i think they they have a little bit more empathy towards what you're dealing with maybe explain things a little bit better but they may be worried about you know being able to pay their bills so it's kind of wild and I'll, I'll digress for a second I've, I've known a lot of mostly nurses i'll be frank mostly nurses a few allied but mostly nurses that got out of nursing and got into recruiting over the years. And um, two things happen. One of them, they get disenchanted with the industry because they don't they get disenchanted with the things I just talked about, the pressure, you know, how it's just money, 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 it's business. They, they know it is until you really work there, you don't really see it. And it can be ugly for someone who's used to taking care of people and being a healthcare professional to actually be thrown into that world. It doesn't usually work. It's, it, it's, it's different. If you're a salesperson, you don't notice as much. But if you go from that extreme to this extreme, it's tough. The other thing I'll candidly tell you is that I've watched the nurse change um, to being less caring, which which happens less, but it's it's really bad when that happens because I've seen that where they start making money, and you guys may know people that have been in this boat, and you're like, man, that person kind of changed. And, you know, now they're it's all about this. I mean, and I think that takes some time. And I don't know if that's necessarily bad, and I hope I'm not saying anything that's tough. I, don't, I just think they lose, they forgot what it was like. Um, and it becomes, it does, it becomes very sexy, and, and they start making a lot of money, and that's hard to um, to put aside for some people. It just is. Good, bad, or indifferent. I mean, that's the way our world is. So I've seen those two things happen. So understand that. Realize that a recruiting team, you know, is a huge amount of an operating expense. Now, what I just talked about, salary, I don't get too detailed, I've done this before. Salary is an operating expense. In other words, that cost exists no matter how many travelers that recruiter has. They, the company's paying that. That's why they want to get rid of them. That's a bottom line expense. The top line, what I always call you know, it's cost of goods sold, that is an expense that only occurs when it's it's part of the deal, in other words, like credentialing or a drug or drug screen. commission theoretically is a cost of goods sold. The recruiter doesn't make commission unless they have a traveler that's working. So it's it's a cost of that expense. If the traveler doesn't exist, there's no commission. So that's the high end. 
you talk about margin stuff, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the top end cost of goods sold. What's left? You know, is it 35% like we're seeing right now? So that means 35% is not part of the, I mean, that's after the cost of, all the costs are calculated and there's 35% left. That 35% drops down and helps pay for all the operating expenses, which is all the salaries that we just talked about, whether it's a CEO or a credentialing person or a receptionist, that's part of it. You know, certain insurance, you know, for, for professional general liability, all that stuff is all expenses. It doesn't, it happens whether or not they have it. So what most agencies do is they're very careful about what they hire. But as an agency grows, let's be frank, what they do, unfortunately, and there's no other way around this, is you always are hiring and throwing out additional salaries in hopes, now I'm switching gears and talking about a CFO or a CEO, that that person will in fact generate the revenue that you're hoping that they're going to. So the bad news for that model is your expenses are up front and you're trying to recover them. So when I talk about how big margins are sometimes, and you guys complain about them, that's part of why. Because there's a lot of failures out there. There are a lot of recruiters that cost companies money that don't produce that bottom line or don't get to that bottom line or it takes them too long. So that's a draining cost, which is why those margins are big. And, and, and again, I, I don't blame them. You guys shouldn't either. It's part of the mechanism that is, in fact, recruiting. So every time a company, if they, want to, if they don't want to grow, they don't hire recruiters. Fine. They're going to hope that each recruiter can do more and more and more. But nobody really does that. They're always going to be bringing on recruiters. They're always going to be trying to get rid of the, the dead weight that are costing them or not generating enough revenue. And they're always going to try to replace them with hire. So there's always that, that fishing line that goes out, and that means risk. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is one of the main reasons why margins are bigger because as a company grows and people always say well how come as a company gets bigger they they make more money because they increase their operating expenses in order to and not just with recruiter salaries but other salaries too support staff insurance gets more expensive everything increases so unfortunately again with that kind of model the bigger the company oftentimes the bigger the margin is and it's not because they're trying to necessarily sock it to each individual traveler they have more operating expenses to maintain that you know that that company the bigger the office space you know it's it's not a it's not it's a, it, it's part of that operating expense so if they're having if they're paying ten thousand dollars a month each traveler is going to have a you know again their margin may only be a half a percent higher but that half a percent pays for that larger office which hopefully services you better than the whole idea but that's the 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 crazy thing about that and that's why i want to talk about salary you guys should understand that you're you know, that recruiting salary is not part of the margin, but that's why margins are bigger because they have to be because they have to generate that revenue. If, if, if every recruiter brought in, you know, twice the amount of money to be able to justify that seat, then there would be no problems. But it just doesn't work that way. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Let's jump into, or let's revisit commissions for just a second. Um, so commission, I don't want to get too complicated. We've done some things on commissions. We'll keep talking about those. Please know this. Every company follows a different commission plan for their recruiters. I mean, there's a, there's a finite number, and there's obviously some that are more common. I've seen a certain model, which I'll walk you through here in a second, that is very, very common. I don't like it. And you won't like it either. Um, but there's there's some commonality to it. Like any sales job, salesperson job, just the way it is, there are certain incentives that some companies want to put in front. In other words, things like this. 
certain milestones or number of people or billable hours or potentially the margins that you're maintaining, in other words, bigger margins for the company, less you know, margins for the nurse, which means a smaller piece of the pie. All those can and, and oftentimes are the, the indicator on how the commission is based. In other words, you might make a sliding scale of more money the more travelers you have working for you. Or there, you know, it could be, you know, increments that you hit this number. I don't know what that number would be. It's going to vary between a large and small company. That once you have this many, you know, all of your commission or, or you know, what you're making every traveler or from there on, it's at a higher level. There's there's always going to be some kind of incentive. And that that is also just about as finite. Again, you could have, you know, it could be based on billable hours. So if you're sick or if you've got a bunch of, of you know, travelers that work a crazy amount of hours and are making more money, especially at those ridiculously higher margins that they never should be for anything either over 36 or 40, that companies should be more grateful and lowering their margins because it's hours we don't expect when we're creating a, a, a compensation package, but they don't. All that, that could be another incentive for some companies. That may be what they're looking for. It has to do with their growth model. I, I, a lot of very, very smart men and women have come up with the, you know, with their commission plan. Um, and it works. And I'm sure it's, it's tweaked or changed over time. And so, but do know that there are situations where, where the, a different recruiter for the same company could be compensated differently. Certainly in the example we talked about, about somebody who's working from home or not you know, getting a salary, would be a significantly different compensation plan entirely. But there's all kinds of ways. But do understand that some way, shape, or form, again, there could be a company out there. I always, I always say, this is a pretty blanket statement. Some way, shape, or form, a recruiter is getting compensation for your work out there. And that may not bother any of you guys, and it really shouldn't, because that's the way the industry is. And it's all it's all been part of it for you know the history of this industry. But do understand that. Which, you know, is real. So if you generate more revenue for the company, the recruiter should make more money off of you. So if you're a great traveler who never gets fired and you know gets placed quickly, barely takes any time off, always works overtime works the holiday, you know, all those wonderful things that recruiters like, you are generating more revenue for any recruiter that you're going to go work for than that you're working through than most travelers do. And you should know that. So if you're that kind of person where, again, maybe you guys don't think about that. If you're like a, let's, again, I'll take a nurse who works 12-hour shifts and you work 36 and you never even work 36 and a quarter, you don't like it, you don't want to volunteer for it, you take off lots of time in between assignments, which I think you should do, all the things that we, we, we like, um, because it, it keeps you in the industry longer, it makes you fresher, and you don't make mistakes, you don't get burnout. If you take off holidays or uh, all kinds of things like that, that that's not always the best scenario for a recruiter, because that means they're just going to make the minimum amount of money available for you. I, there's no point I'm making, just understand that, I guess... The more hours that you work and the less time you take off, the more valuable you are as a commodity to any agency and any recruiter. I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. That's real. Sorry. If you are you know, just a 36-hour, you're probably going to be less valuable because you just worked those minimal hours. And unfortunately, here's what I will also tell you. Specialties and, and those sorts of things come into play. Typically, a higher bill rate placement for you know somebody who's got a really crazy specialty that generates a high bill rate, which you know does in fact generate a higher pay rate, but if that margin stays the same, you know, like I've always said, 30% on 150 is a lot more revenue than 30% on a hundred dollar. We're talking bill rate per hour, obviously, right? So it's you know it's fifteen dollars more an hour for that other you know fifty bucks basically. So a higher specialty. When you're making more money, your recruiter's making more money. And unfortunately, if you don't make as much money as the average traveler, if you're in a, you know, a lower bill rate, whatever that case may be, and there are obviously certain techs, certain, you know, nursing assistants, those are those kind of things that generate less revenue, your recruiter is absolutely probably, absolutely probably making less money. That's just the way it is. Um, because no one's gonna pay if a company's only making half revenue per hour, right? They're not going to pay the recruiter the same amount of money. So there's a lot of that involved, too. So just understand that, too. So no, when I talk about things like a recruiter prioritizes, knowing what you guys just heard me say, and let's just say you're a CNA, 
and you know that you've got a recruiter who works, you know, if they just work with CNAs, that's fine. But if you have a recruiter that's multifaceted, like most of them are, and they also work with, you know, CVOR nurses, cath lab nurses, physical therapists, high billable hourly rates, you have to recognize that you have got to be a lower priority for that recruiter. There's, there's nothing wrong with that, but you have to know that because when you think that your recruiter is calling you first, are they? Come on. If there's a job that comes out for you for a CNA position and a job that comes out for the CVOR nurse or CVICU nurse that they've got, and they're going to make three times the amount of money every single work if they book him or her or they book you, who do you think they're going to call? The same thing applies across the board. I don't care if you're allied or you're nursing. The lower your bill rates typically be, let's just let's just talk about see, uh, uh, um, regions of the United States. If you always like to work in a place where the bill rate and I'll, I'll just throw out Virginia. Virginia seems to be a relative, West Virginia seems to be a relatively low bill rate because the cost of living is low there. West Virginia is, is kind of lower. Mississippi, some of those areas where the cost of living is low seems to be a slightly lower paying job than let's just say California. Let's just say here in Colorado now where, where I am. If you only work in you know, Mississippi and you don't want to travel outside of that, your recruiter is consistently going to be making probably less money than you than someone who's willing to work in, in Washington, let's say, or New York or Massachusetts because it's all, it's not always, most of the time it's based upon how much revenue is brought in. So there's those things too. So when we talk about prioritizing, that's why I say you have to recognize that they're human. They can only handle so many things at once. They can only text so many people. They can only call so many people. And for anybody out there listening to me that to always think that they are the number one priority for that recruiter on that day is foolish. And you shouldn't be foolish anymore because that's, that is, in fact, right there is why this industry is lagging and because of the use of recruiters. I'm just saying it. If you have an app that's giving you, I don't care if you're a CNA or you're a CVR tech, if both of you get the exact same new notification for two different jobs at the exact same every five minutes, there is no discrepancy. There is, uh, there's, not, there's no prejudice based upon how much money that recruiter is going to make. They're not looking at one versus the other and who's the call is going to get there the first. That right there is why this industry has trouble. And what I just described is not the fault of a recruiter. I'm sorry, it just isn't. And it just is that technology and things that just make more sense haven't, haven't really gotten through. So when, when, a when a traveler out there says, I really like working for my recruiter, that's why it's, it's tough right now because what I'm talking about on this, on this show, in this, this series, and it's not just about recruiter sets. Like I said, there's other things that are really awesome out there right now and it's continued to change and there's ideas that none of us have even thought of that are also going to help you make more money they're going to make it more efficient this is why it's frustrating when i've got someone that says oh, but I, I really i really love working with recruiters really what is it i get it's the interaction that makes sense you feel safe you got someone you can call you know you should have that with any other company that's doing anything unique they should not get rid of that in the industry it's not a customer service list and you know AI type industry. It never can be that. Not with what you guys do. But when you start thinking about the inefficiency and how five o'clock at night, wherever that agency is, they're gone. And you now, no matter what jobs come in. And by the way, I'm recording this about 11 o'clock at night on a weekday. And I saw jobs come in from one vendor. Um, happened to be a whole bunch of rehabilitation. PTA, PT, OT, CODA, speech, you know, speech language pathology. All came in about 10 o'clock tonight. Every person that's in that specialty just got a notification if it came up in the state they're looking for. Everybody else is waiting till 8 o'clock in the morning, maybe 7.30, whatever time zone their agency is, to hopefully be called. And some of those people will be called first because they have a lot of bill rate. Some won't be because they have a low bill rate. You guys get what I'm saying? It's This is why we do this. And along with that, the reason I said early on, understand that I know that what we're doing and what other companies are doing is not for everybody because there are people that just don't get this and they would probably flop around on their own. So there's a point in your career where you separate that and it's going to, you know, it's going to fix it. And I do think that like anything else, Uber, all these things that we look at on our phone, all these apps, when they, when you use them once, you go, okay, that's pretty good. It makes sense. So anyway, I'm, I'm pitching, I'm selling right now. I'm a salesman. I don't like it. So I'm going to get off that. I'm just trying to show the inefficiency of a recruiter and why it is what it is. So at any rate, um, commission is so varied, but understand that that is oftentimes a big part. 
I had six-figure income people at companies that had recruiters, many of them. Not as many as I wanted, trust me. That means if I was paying a thirty-five dollars or $40,000 salary, depending upon you know, when we're talking about, and people were making six figures, they had really strong commission plans. The last thing I want to talk about real quick, and I know this, I'm going long today, guys, but this is kind of an important one. You could watch this or listen to this one in, in groups. I want to talk about that one commission plan that we see that's so common. I've mentioned it before. I'm going to mention it again in case you didn't see the episode. What I don't like and what you guys are not going to like is a lot of the commission plans have a, a, a wiggle room on what they're offering. Let me just tell you what I mean if, I, if you don't know this already. This is really common, and I... I this is really common. I said there's a fine, there's a, a, almost an infinite number of commission plans, but what I see a lot is this. Forget about salary, all that stuff, but when it comes to commission, a lot of companies incentivize their recruiter that if they if they give you a, you know, keep if they keep more money into the in the company's pocket, which they'll get a tiny slice of, which is what's so crazy. But if they let's just say they have a, a wiggle room and say, we won't let you go below, and I'm using a big company example and what we're seeing now. You can't go below 30. We actually don't want you to go above 35. I'm talking about top end, you know, margin for the company. If you if we have calculators and they all have software that does this, here's your range. If you if you go 30, you're going to you're only going to make this. But if you get a 35% margin for us, this is how your commission will increase. In other words, they're incentivizing their recruiter to make you get paid less and keep more money in the agency's pocket. There's no other way to say it. I could say some naughty words, but they are getting you. I'll put it that way. The more they get you and keep money into the agency's hands, the less you're going to make and the more commission that recruiter can make. It can be pretty significant. The company, by the way, unfortunately, is still going to make the majority of that difference. And the recruiter makes a small amount because most recruiters, I mean, who knows? Let's say it's 15, 20%. So they're going to sock it to you. The company's going to make a lot more margin and the recruiter's going to make more money. I've said this before. That is absolutely very, very common, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. And we're, we're, going, to have, we're going to have some people on that can prove, you know, talk, can validate this, I would say. But I'm just telling you, I've looked at a lot of commission plans. Um, there was times when I was, you know, looking at maybe going to do some things higher end at some companies, and I got, I, I'm like, wow, I, that is real. I always said it was, but I validated that three, four years ago, and it's, I, I just don't like it. I understand it. It's smart. You guys may really think that's horrible, and it, it kind of is for you, and I, I get your standpoint. But here's why I want you to use some emotional intelligence to understand why the agency does that. They want to make as much money as they can. They're not going to let them go higher than 35 or whatever that figure is. I'm not saying that's the figure, but for that you know example of company, because they don't want it to be so blatantly bad that you get to the hospital and you're mad because every single person in that unit is making way more money than you. They don't. Some agencies don't mind if they're most of them are making more. Who knows? But that's why they'll cap it. So don't don't you know screw the traveler over that much. And here's where we can't let you go below because it doesn't make sense for us. And because that's why they do that, whether they have, you know, all those operating expenses we talked about or, you know, who knows what or their whole reason why. But that's usually where it comes down to. They can only go to here. And we absolutely know that agencies are increasing and increasing their you know, portion of the pie. It just sucks. But realize that when you see all this negotiating, when all of a sudden you tell your recruiter, I want to make this and they go, OK, that quickly, it's because they have the power to decide, all right, I'll make less commission, but I'm at least going to make commission on this traveler because he or she's still going to go. I, I don't like companies that negotiate. They should be giving you your best offer right away, and they should say, I can't go below that because it's at the bottom. It's at, in, in, you know, at, at that level where I can't go below. It doesn't make sense based upon what our profit model is. Why wouldn't they just tell you that? This is what it is. If you want to make less, you know, it doesn't make sense to us because the, you know, the hospital and the vendor is going to hold our money for six, eight weeks, and it doesn't make sense. And... You know, there are times when I think they can even go below that, but I think their commission even drops. But realize that's there, and you guys need to be armed at that. And that's why you you have to negotiate. And I hate the fact that you guys have to be negotiators as well as healthcare professionals. It just doesn't work. So that's kind of commission. Um, it is what it is. So um, obviously, I, I talked a little bit about office space, that kind of thing. I mean, again, the bigger the agency is, you know, the, the bigger, you know, the bigger that operating expense is. So, you know, that's why people always say, why is it? And I'm talking about not just brick and mortar stuff. I'm talking about their advertising budget gets bigger. Their support staff, whether we're talking about credentialing, we're talking about payroll, human resources. You've got you know more attorney fees because you're a bigger target. The bigger you are, the more money you have to spend on that operating expense as an agency to maintain that. 
you know, based upon the current model. That's not going to change for even a, even a recruiter's model or anything else. As you get bigger, there will be expenses. The difference between a upfront cost and a behind cost is all those costs I just mentioned, no matter what kind of agency you're working for, shouldn't necessarily affect you. They should be part of their gross profit, except for potentially the building. So in other words, they should be saying, all right, we're making this amount of money every year. We're going to invest that back in the building. So typically, I will tell you that well-run companies don't take their operating expenses typically, except for that recruiting thing I talked about, and that's why I mentioned it, and, and plug it into the to the traveler. It really does come out of profit. It should. I'm sure some do. But if that, if that made sense to you guys, bigger support staff, more salary, all that stuff should come. But that is why they say, okay, it's coming out of here, but I am going to start to increase our margin because we don't, we, we don't like this. Our investors or our shareholders or us personally as owners, we, we don't, you know, we're, we're growing, but we're throwing all of our money into support. So we should be making more. I want to make more as an owner of a company, and that's why those margins sometimes increase. But theoretically, a well-ran company, it should be growth on profit and you reduce your profit by growing smartly so that you still grow but you're not outgrowing. The only thing that's different, like I said, is I guess office space could be because you have to kind of jump into a bigger space sometimes and pay for stuff before you really have grown into it, kind of splitting hairs there. But the recruiting salary is a big one. You're always paying for people hoping that they will generate and smart companies, you know, give them a very short lease. Okay, so anyway, that's what it is. The job is, like I said, to get, and I think I'm looking pretty good on my time, kind of. The recruiting job is to, like I say, get you to sign on a line that's dotted. Oftentimes, it's whatever that takes. And again, it's not an ugly thing. It is, if it's done right, a recruiter for many travelers can be justified. And I honestly think up until a few years ago, that's just the way it was. And I would, if I was doing this podcast five years ago without you know the things that we're seeing now i would be talking about how to go toward the best recruiter the one that has the best reputation the one that really actually is good at his or her job and and is better at keeping as many people toward the top of the pile than having them down below that's that's what i would say that's the best recruiter you may not be the top but they're they're so organized and they're so good and they work so hard and they work after hours and they call you from their home and their cell that that's the kind of recruiter you want to go to Things are just changing, you know, and that's just the difference. There are so many people that that recruit that aren't that good. Okay, that's I guess that's one thing. They're not that great, and and unfortunately, sometimes when people are are desperate, they will do things that they don't normally want would, wouldn't normally do. Doesn't mean they're a bad person. I guess it means they're a bad person right then. But know that that exists. It doesn't necessarily mean they're doing it every time. And I will tell you that most agencies are not going to want that or push that or even train that because they don't want their reputation to suffer. All agencies, all of us out there, need to have a good reputation. Um, and for a lot of people, when they don't have anything that differentiates their agency from any others, that's that they work really hard on that. So that works in your favor. There's a lot of recruiters that are doing everything they can to do things ethically, and I like that model. I'm just trying to tell you that there are people that are being paid to convince you of taking things that may or may not be in your best interest. I love the fact that a lot of travelers have moved and evolved themselves into a place where you guys are starting to realize, hey, I, I got a lot of differences here in the same package. I'm going to go with, I know why that is now. I understand that some companies make more money and I'm choosing this. And I, like I've always said, I really don't know why you would purposefully say, I want to make two or $300 less every single week. Maybe it's gross, so it may not show up as much on your paycheck. But I'm willing to make two or three hundred dollars less every week than the person literally working in the exact same unit alongside me that works for a different company. That makes no sense to me. <clears throat> you know, I just don't get it because <clears throat> anymore, and I validate this with a few people in our industry, but not agencies that are kind of like I've said. And everybody believes, rightly so, that travelers are right now more money focused. They're less uh, loyal. I, I think that's great. I, I think that that's. It's not because of what we're doing or what or all of you guys are talking about this. It's just naturally happening that travelers are getting more and more aware and they're becoming more smarter about this part of the business, which you never had to before. And they're learning that, you know what? It doesn't matter. I mean, insurance used to be the big thing. Now I can go get my insurance anywhere. I can do whatever. I'm going to go do what I want to do with this agency and then I'm going to turn dime and go with that agency. And I think what we're all trying to do 
is make sure that we are right up there. And for some companies, they can't. The struggle is hard. Those companies that had to you know, put all that operating expense out to get bigger and bigger, put, put yourself in their shoes. What are they going to do? I mean, they've, they have this kind of expense, leases, salaries, you know, personnel, insurance, attorneys, all that stuff. And how are they going to compete with the companies that have figured out how to streamline it and give you guys more money? It's a great thing for you guys. It, it, it's, it's kind of a bummer for the industry as far as some of those agencies go. But I've always said, you know, the natural, the natural I guess, selection of how things work out are, is based upon that. And right now, it is all about money. No matter how good of a salesperson the recruiter is, at the end of your conversation with them, you guys are turning more and more to the companies that are paying more. You guys are holding us accountable and saying, no, 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 no. I want to make a bigger slice of that pie. You guys should be making less because you really aren't doing that much. Communicating a job to me, advancing a payroll, and, and waiting to be paid with your margin attached to that paycheck. Credentialing, you know, throwing some expenses out, you know, doing some things, helping me stay maintaining on my on my, you know, on my on my credentials and communicating with the vendor, you know, when I want to extend or what I want to do. That's it. And, and I don't think, and I'll say it again, that that is worth 35% or whatever that figure is that's averaging right now of the bill rate. I just don't. That has to change too. You guys, the smarter you get, the less you need us, means the less we should make. Whew. I thought I had, I had a second page, which is good because I thought there was a lot more to this stuff. Um, we're going to say, I, well, actually, I do have a second page. But we're going to talk about that later. I'm going to stop the episode because we're going too long. <clears throat> I'm going to incorporate what I had still to go. I knew I had a second page. Look at that. But enough's enough. I'm going to incorporate this in the next episode, some of the things I want to talk about. So understand that that's coming. I'll kind of do my episode next time, and I'll throw out some different things about recruiters. I'm sorry I'm just going to have to do it, but I don't want to go over an hour. Guys, I appreciate it. Catch you next time on Travel Evolved. <laughs>